So this guy's name is Partap Davis. He emailed me uh, a couple months ago now. And he tells the way he tells the story is, you know, he he was he had a late night. He's a programmer who's playing this game called World of Tanks. And he was playing it pretty late, like 2 a.m. He goes to sleep. When he wakes up, someone got basically everything. They got his email. They got his Twitter. They got his phone. He had a bunch of Bitcoin and like a Coinbase account. It was more than $3,000 and that was all gone. And so he just spent days going through all of it and saying, okay, is this... Do, do I still have this account? Is this still good? And like, can I get this back? And like talking with customer service reps and being like, okay, it's me. Like, let me fax you my ID to just prove that I'm me. But it was really hard because the first thing that they want to do, if you're, they're resetting your email, they're like, all right, well, let me send, like, let me, let me call you. Let me like call you on the number that we have attached to this account. He's like, well, no, you can't do that because they already got the number. Well, okay, let me like... Can you can you tweet at us? Can you like do the uh, your alternate email? Like, well, no, they got my Twitter. They got my alternate email account. Like, well, at a certain point, how do you actually prove that you're you? What? What if like you are playing World of Tanks one night and then just you're yeah. not you anymore? Yeah. How, I mean, how did he get out of that? Did he not get out of it? Well, no. I mean, he did. He he got all of it back now. So I mean, basically. Yeah, like, you have your ID that is issued by the government that's, like, an identifier of last resort. And so you you just fax them, like, your passport or your photo ID and, like, here's a picture of you holding it up, like, next to you as if you're, like, proving who you are to Reddit or something. And, like, at that point, they're like, oh, okay, you're you. It's crazy to me that the the thing that would protect you in the age of technology is a little piece of paper or plastic that you keep in your wallet. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And what do you do if you don't drive or you never, like, you you know, you never, like, needed a passport and never got one? I mean, that's why you get a license to drive a tank. Well, (laughs) yeah. Hello, welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from The Verge. What's Tech is a show about, well, technology. It answers the question in the title, what is technology, when it feels like everything is sort of technology. Each week we answer, what is drones, or what is net neutrality, or in this case, what is hacking? And for this I have my pal, reporter from The Verge, Russell Brandom. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Russell is one of my favorite people that I work with, not that anybody else who works with me should be listening. (laughs) Uh, He's brilliant, and uh, he knows so much about hacking that it makes my mind hurt. Um, So we're going to start at the top with kind of the big obvious question. What is a hack? Yeah, so this is a surprisingly hard question to answer, but I think the one thing that you always come back to is some sense of, like, unauthorized access. So in this case, like, this the guy that we wrote the story about, Partap, had a, an email account, and you're, only he was supposed to be able to log into the account, but because it was hacked, someone else got in. And so, you know, that, that could be anything. It could be an email account. It could be some other sort of account. It could be some sort of database. It could be, you know, the system that lets you publish things to your website got hacked. So then you thought you were the only th- person who could publish things to your website. But in fact, you know, Lizard Squad can do it now and they're putting all these weird pictures up and 
that that say you know you got hacked. Lizard Squad is <laughs> the name of a hacking group. Oh yeah, no, I'm <laughs> getting exactly. Then they all have names like that. But um, yeah. So so I think fundamentally, it's you set up this system. You thought that you'd set up who could do what with it, and then someone who's not on the list is getting able to do things. Yeah, and it's bad. You you shared this uh, analogy with getting into a door. Oh yeah, that that I really appreciated. Yeah, so think of a door. You know, unauthorized access. You lock the door. You have the key. If you don't have the key, you can't get in. So the key is the authorized thing. Um, but of course, they could get in if they really wanted. Like you could, you know, kick at the hinges or something. If the police need to break down a door, they get like a battering ram or something. And if you want like a really secure door then you sort of reinforce it in some way. But then there's always like some other, there's always some weakest point. And there's always some method of like attacking the weakest point. Anyway, so you're just sort of getting stronger protection, even though none of it's really perfect. Yeah. And what I liked about the analogy is that it, sure, there's always the blunt way of breaking in. Like there are blunt styles of attacks uh, with a hack where people could be using, say, a program. Like I... I, I, Yeah. I mean, you you could say, oh, well... You know, I mean, if Gmail was just keeping all our passwords, like, on a piece of paper, and someone took the piece of paper, you'd be like, you guys screwed up. <laughs> you yeah. shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but, but I mean, then, you know, there's—and and there are these brute force methods where if, you know, if you just asked Gmail, if you just tried 100 passwords a second, yeah. then, then eventually they would stop and say, hey, you're— you're probably you've had a lot of guesses now. You're probably not Russell. Um, and but then there's a finesse method, which yeah. is the other way of like looking at the door analogy. There are people who are experts at at reverse security. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I mean, you know, maybe I guessed an obvious password. Maybe there's maybe Gmail wants to make it so easy to get into from for me to reset my password that they ask me a bunch of really obvious questions. Right. This is what we saw with uh, the iCloud leaks was that. It wasn't really a failure in Apple's security. It was just that if you knew, like, Jennifer Lawrence's birthday, which people can look up, then it became an issue of, you, you know, you, you would be able to sort of socially engineer your way in. Sure, sure. So what is a vulnerability and how does that relate to a hack? Yeah, so so if, to go back to the door, you've got this door um, and there are strong parts of the door and weak parts of the door. So well, now I'm going to reveal how much I know about kicking in doors. But if you ever kick in a door, <laughs> you're not supposed to kick the middle of the door because your foot will just go through the door. You're supposed to kick it like right at the part where the little, like the, the doorknob is. There are vulnerable parts of the door, right? And so if there's this one spot next to the hinges where if you kick that, that's a vulnerability. And so a vulnerability in, in Gmail might be, well, you know, suppose you pretend like you're the Gmail app, right? So I wrote this program that looks like the Gmail app and it's going to talk to the Gmail server and the Gmail server isn't going to just immediately tell me everyone's email before I put in the password, but maybe while it's listening to the password, I can tell it something else and there'll be some way to get through without the password um, because it's it's stored in some particular place or something like that. And so you say, well, okay, we don't really know exactly how to do it, but there's like a weak point there. We can break the door if we like do the right thing to that weak part of the door. Sure. And then there is an exploit, which is a different thing. Well, so an exploit is when you know. So you're sort of like, okay, I'm going to go to Gmail as if I'm about to say the password, and then I'm just going to 
spit out this exact string of characters and then the door's going to pop open, right? So, you know, the exploit is here's this battering ram and just hit the battering ram right there. And the, the important difference is a lot of the times people will find these, right? If, if you're a security researcher, basically what you're looking for is vulnerabilities in programs. So if you come to Gmail with a vulnerability and say, hey, this is, you're storing this thing in open memory and, you know, you don't have any of this encrypted, you guys really should, you should, you know, change this. They can just fix that. And then it's less dangerous for that to be out, even though if you just say that and people know it's a little dangerous because they'll try to figure out some way to get through it. But also a lot of the times, and I, I, I don't mean to be picking on Gmail, but if you go to the service with the vulnerability, they'll say, well, yeah, it's like kind of weak, but whatever, like, it's fine. No one's really going to do that. So then if you're playing hardball, as security researchers do, they'll say, oh, no, 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 it's not just weak. Like, here's this exploit. Here's this exact thing. And like, I can just do this. And sometimes they publish that. And, you know, then the heat's really on to fix it. And they just sort of go back and forth with this. I mean, this is what researchers do for a living sort of all day, every day. Can I tell you a personal story? Oh, yeah, please. This has... Nothing to do with hacks, but <laughs> everything to do with doors. Yeah, and vulnerability. <laughs> and vulnerabilities. When I was in high school, I worked at a retail store. Mm. And one day we got in early in the morning and we had been robbed. We had like the wow. money room where you count the money, right? Yeah. And there was a big footprint right in the middle of the door and all of our money had been taken. And, the, and two cops wow. came in and they looked at the door and they looked at the money and they... There was no break on any part of the door. So they turned to all of us and they said, everyone, uh, can you just take off your shoes? <laughs> and we all took off our shoes and one guy's boot matched perfectly. And clearly he had opened the door with his own key, then <laughs> shut the door and made a footprint on it to make it look like somebody broke in. Wow. And I've never seen three people look more depressed. Like both the cop, the two cops and the guy both look ashamed. Like... <laughs> Like, it shouldn't have been this way for any of them. Yeah, no, seriously. Not a story about hacking, but you know what? I just, like, figure, you know. No, it, totally. It's, it's my podcast. I'm going to put these, like, sad it's the stories. It's the insider threat. That, yeah, it's the insider threat. Um, so, hacks hacks sound immediately bad. When I when I see the word hack, yeah. I, I think, like, bad. Something, got something my has news. gone really yeah. horrible. No, totally. Is a hack inherently bad? So, this is what's interesting. A lot of things that you would think of as hacks are often really creative and valuable. So, I mean, like, the uh, one sort of particularly harmless example is, you know, when Twitter first started, people wanted to be able to search for a particular event. And so some guy just on Twitter came up with hashtags, and it wasn't authorized by Twitter. And in some sense, it was an unauthorized, like, use of Twitter that he was like, I'm just going to start putting hashtags in front of words, and then people can search for this hashtag. Um, and Twitter didn't really have, like, a say in whether it became a thing, but it essentially was a hack. And so then the other reason that this is weird is when you have hacking laws like the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act that's really uh, controversial, it's controversial because you worry that this is used to outlaw any unauthorized access that it's not just the moment when someone breaks into your system and sort of does something bad it's anytime someone is doing anything with your system that isn't exactly what you intended this law becomes a way to sort of like clamp down on them which is not really what you want but then creating a law that gets one and not the other is well it's not something we've done yet it's sort of tricky is it realistic to believe that 
basically security can stay ahead of how hacking culture works. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, it's possible. That's not how things have gone. Like, that's not the moment we're in right now. <laughs> Everyone it's who's weird. listening to this, just their heart <laughs> dropped through their chest. Yeah. No, it's weird, though, because I think passwords are terrible is, is sort of point True. one. And, and it's just like a terrible system that no one's really gotten in. And then the other problem is it's not really in the company incentive to make security super strong. So, like, when we were talking about the password reset, like, they're balancing how easy do we make it for a person who's forgotten their password to reset their password, which happens all the time, constantly, versus how hard do we make it for someone else to reset your password, right? So they're finding the balance point, and that's not, it's not that we need some new technology to solve it, or even that we could come up with some new technology that makes that easier. It's sort of just, well, we've got this balance, and every time we move it in one direction, we get a little bit less of the other. And, I mean, historically, when you're looking at companies dealing with, like, catastrophic events, they tend not to really care about it, right? No one, like, the car industry didn't really care about car crashes until we, there was this sustained campaign to force them to be like, oh, no, the car has to really protect people in case the car crashes. Before that, they just said, look, I mean, drive safe and car crashes don't statistically happen that often. So we're just going to make sweet cars that people want to buy and figure everything's fine. And I think that's kind of the moment we're at with security. <laughs> we're all just <laughs> using this sweet, sweet internet. No, it's Don't worry t- about it, bro. Exactly. Should the normal person feel safe? No, danger is everywhere. No, that's all I wanted. Danger <laughs> lurks in the shadows. In the hearts of men. Perhaps there is a hacker behind you right now <laughs> as you're listening to stop the car, get out, check the back seat. <sighs> They're all doomed. I mean, yeah. I, I I just want to make sure. I, I ask because I am paranoid. Like, well, I, yeah, I, I mean, you know what I think it is? I think, like, if I'm on the internet for, like, yeah. if you're on the internet for more than two hours a day, like, somehow your life has you there, I feel like I see so many hacking stories that it's gotten into my brain. Here's the thing. So, to bring it back to Partap, he got, like, I mean, they, they took over all the accounts, right? And it was really bad, and it, like, ruined his week. He lost you know, this money. But, you know, life goes on. Like, it's kind of not the end of the world. Like, it sucks that he lost this money. It'd be great if he still had it. But it's only money, and they didn't really get at him. Like, it's not like, I think, you know, a lot of times someone gets mugged, right? And, you know, Mm -hmm. this is New York. Even de Blasio's New York. Like, we're all, we could get mugged. And I think, like, a lot of times it's very traumatic for people. And Hacking doesn't have to be that way. Now, I mean, it's worse in some ways if, you know, if, okay, these private photos of mine, like, leaked out. I mean, and this is also a real concern. And in some ways, I think people should be more proactive about that. But the credit card system has actually, like, there are a lot of protections in place for your bank account if you're not actively giving people money. Like, it's pretty hard to get that much money out of someone. So the takeaway, I guess, is, you could get hacked, but, and I mean, not to, I don't want to just scare people. You could get hacked, but also, like, it's not the worst thing in the world. Life goes no, on. That, that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, don't, don't live in fear. Live your life. That's, that's really nice. Yeah. Uh, five years have passed, okay? It's the year 2020. 
Uh, wow, this was we, a long it, interview. It, we've exited the the sound booth. We smell yeah. horrible. We are <laughs> starving. We look on our whatever gadgets of the future. Yeah. What are, are we are we all hacked? Does everyone know about hacking? Do people know more about it or is it mm. basically what culture you know, how a hacking culture is perceived now in five years? Is it, is it basically more of the same? So here's the interesting thing. The next thing that's going to happen, and part of this is already happening. So if you have a new, one of the new generations of iPhones and you look at it, it's got the fingerprint reader, right? And that big yeah. button. If we all move to fingerprints and things like that, maybe it's iris scan, maybe it's voice print or whatever, but it's, it's sort of a biometric is the term. This will be harder to do. Like this sort of attack will be won't work because you won't just be able to find a password and get, you know, take someone over. And also we'll have trusted devices and it won't be as much of a pain to log on to things. And so there are people who say five years from now, hacking won't be nearly as much of a problem because we won't be using passwords because we'll all be just fingerprinting our phones sort of anytime we want to do anything. Then there are other people who say, oh, no, they're going to hack you and then they're going to have your fingerprint and you can't change your fingerprint like you can change your password. So then we're really going to be in a in a pile of whatever. Well, yeah, I I feel good. (laughs) I mean, sure, someone's going to cut off my thumb. (laughs) But like, what are thumbs anyway? You know, with the eyeball. Don't live in fear. Um, Let the spiders pull out your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, I mean. Yeah, it's hard to know whether to be optimistic or not optimistic, but I want to leave people feeling good because people should feel good. Uh, I think we'll leave people feeling just that way. Thank you for joining (laughs) me today. Uh, And thank you for listening. This is What's Tech. You can find us on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting apps. Just search for What's Tech. And if you are on iTunes, why not just leave us a review or maybe subscribe? It would mean a lot to us. Uh, And if you liked this particular episode, what I strongly encourage you to do is go read Russell's story. Oh, yeah. Anatomy of a Hack. You can Google that or you can just find it on TheVerge.com. And lastly, why not follow us on Twitter? We are at What's Tech. Thank you. We'll be back next Tuesday. Until then, we'll see you later.